0: Hear the word of the Lord from 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 14 through chapter 4 verse 5. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you, and you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I solemnly charge you before God in Christ Jesus who is going to judge the living and the dead and because of his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and teaching. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. But as for you, exercise self-control in everything, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. This is the word of the Lord.
1: All right. So uh, many have already uh, said, they're like, we're not in Mark. What's going on? Which means that I've trained y'all really well. Uh, (laughs) Y'all know we're supposed to go to the next verse. Uh, So we're going to take a little break, a very short break from Mark to do uh, something. Can you turn my mic down just a little bit? It feels loud in my my ear. We're going to take a little break from Mark to go through some content that uh, helps explain why our church is the way it is has anybody ever asked you what kind of church you go to if you go here and you were confused on how to explain yes. okay thank you okay so so i'm going to explain to you why that is that is the goal the goal is to answer the question uh you know why are we the way we are <laughs> like what is going on here and so it's hard to categorize what kind of church we are because we intentionally seek to implement uh, the best from all Christian traditions. And this why it's hard to categorize. And so there's a book that I read and that um, we, the content me and the elders have gone through, this is maybe even a year ago, um, but it's called, uh, you can't read see that, but it's called Evangelical, Sacramental, and Pentecostal: Why the Church should be all three. and And it put into words some things that I had thought before but I didn't know how to put into words. And so large categories uh, of churches and church traditions can be lumped into these three broad traditions. All right. First one is evangelical. and I hate, Sometimes I don't like to use that word because people think it's like a, a sliver of political you know, people. But the idea is that it's, it's people who say we ought to be people of God's word. We ought to be people of God's word. Read, preach, taught, and live. Even the, the root word of evangelical, evangel. It's it's from uh, uh, the Latin, I believe, of of good news. It's like, we're going to be people about God's word, about the gospel. You got churches that are about that. We're going to be about the Bible, which I'm about that life, okay? Uh, Then you have other churches uh, that we would categorize as sacramental. And these are churches that take baptism and the Lord's Supper and other Christian practices handed down to us very seriously. So, a question i get often is they say people say well when they come to the church why do y'all take communion every week that's an oddity but there are some churches where that would that's just that's the hot point that is just expected you just that's what you do uh some people are like well, why do you pray for the world the way that you do That's some churches like that's that's the expectation you roll up and like that's just what we do because that's what we have been doing for two thousand years all right so there's some categories of churches like that And there's other categories of churches that uh, i would say are pentecostal or charismatic they have a a robust a robust theology and experience of the holy spirit so if you're confused about what our church is like so we preach through the bible we we say liturgical prayers and we also lay hands and put oil on people what what in the world are y'all doing the point is we're saying i I, want to take everything from the history of the church that accords with the scripture and use it so that our church could be uh, as, as encouraged and strengthened as possible. So for the next three weeks, I'm going to take each category. I'm going to look at evangelical this week. We're going to look at sacramental. We're going to look at Pentecostal. We're going to look at from the text, where, where does this come from? Why, why is this helpful to us? What this means for our church as a whole and what that means for you as uh, an individual so we're going to focus first uh on this this idea of being evangelical or about about a people of the book we're about god's word and and to be honest one of the the first things that happened in my christian life is that i actually fell in love with the word of god now there's a everybody's testimony is always more complicated than you hear because you're trying to fit a lot of information into a really small thing so uh you know uh, my mom gave me the scriptures my sister encouraged me but but I, I remember there was a point in my life when i was 14 where where the lord converted me and one of the things that i did is i got a hold of a pocket new testament and i began to read it until the early hours of the morning for weeks i just began to read scripture and, and it, it is like scripture was alive to me it wasn't just like words that i read on a page but it hit me at at the level of my heart and i remember specifically when i was reading through john chapter 17 and jesus said eternal life is to know the one and only true god and jesus christ whom he sent and i'm like oh my goodness god you want to know me but i would not have had that thought had i not been reading the text of the scripture and the scripture revealed to me who god is and what he wanted from me And the scriptures have continued to convict and to lead me. I cherish the scriptures. They they are so beautiful and wonderful. And I want us to be a church and to be a people that hold God's word high. That we cherish it because it is God's word to us. And so, so we need to understand that the church has to be built on and sustained by the word of God. The church has to be built on and sustained by the word of God. Now, let's ask his help as we dig into this. Lord Jesus, uh, we love your word. Please explain to us from your word today what you want to say to us. Lord, we, we don't, I don't come here with an agenda of what I want to say. I want your scripture to speak. So would you speak to us by your word, through your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name? Amen. So we look at uh, 2 Timothy 3 and, and 4. Uh, to back up real quick, uh, 2 Timothy is a letter from Apostle Paul to uh, his son in the ministry, someone he trained in the ministry. It's one of the last letters that we have before he died. He's trying to give this, this final encouragement because he doesn't know if he's going to see Timothy uh, in the flesh or not. He might, he might be executed. And so he's giving them these final important instructions of what would a young pastor and the church that he pastors, what would they need to know? Okay? So that's what's going on. And in verse 14 of chapter 3, he says, But as for you, Timothy, as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you, and you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus in layman's terms he says timothy you stick with the scriptures because god uses the scriptures to save us god uses the scriptures to save us listen we learn and teach the scriptures because that's what god uses to save we would not know about christ had we not the scriptures like imagine imagine like try to conceive of what we would do if we didn't have a bible I'd just, be, I'd just be like, well, what I think today is, you know, like, like if we didn't have the Bible, we'd just be, we'd be making stuff up. And not only do the scriptures teach us about Christ, but the, the scriptures themselves have divine power. I don't know if, if you've walked with Jesus for a long time and there's sometimes, let's be honest, there's sometimes you're reading the scripture, you're just reading it. And you're like, I did it. I checked the box. But then there's other times when you read the scripture and you're like, Oh, my goodness. Like it just like, like it's like it entered into my heart, it convicted me, it, it touched me in such a real, a real way. The scriptures have divine power, and you have seen it. I've seen it in the life of others. There will be times when I'm telling people a scripture that to me is like this is the one of the most redundant ones. Like I memorize this and I'll say the scripture to them. And they're like, oh my goodness. I'm like, oh snap. The scripture has power. That's that's that's, that's the, because the power, but power of God is in the scriptures, that's why biblical literacy is so important. That's why we're promoting reading and, and understanding and reading and reading again the Scriptures because the power of God is found in the text of Scriptures. And not only that, because Scriptures are what lead us to God, I think Paul is saying here is that we need to teach our kids the Scriptures. So when he says to, uh, to Timothy, he says, you know from infancy the Scriptures. What is he talking about? Timothy's mother and his grandmother were Christians, Timothy's mother and his grandmother were Christians, and his dad wasn't. But his mother and his grandmother consistently shared the scriptures with him. And because of their faithfulness of putting the scriptures in front of him over and over and over again, God used that to save him. And that should give you some encouragement. That should give you some, especially with some young children. You're like, I don't know if they're paying attention. I'm reading the Bible. They're looking at the, whatever, whatever. Listen, God used the grandmama and the mama who continue to, to read and recite and share scripture with Timothy, and God used that to save him. Don't grow weary. And, and this also means that we ought to be uh, 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 consistent in doing what I want to call family devotions. A lot of y'all are, are familiar with the fact that you by yourself should get with the Lord, which You should. But if you, have, if you have a family, you need to make it a priority that you would get together and read God's word. And a lot of times that feels so daunting. So one of my jobs, I feel like, is to try to simplify. Because if, if it feels simple, then you, you're like, I can do that. And so y'all know how I like little phrases. You know how you do family devotions? There's three words. Read, pray, sing. Read some scripture. I don't know, read a storybook. Bible depends on the age of your kids and listen you don't you don't gotta you don't even gotta explain just read it you don't gotta give a sermon just like i I, I mean what we do uh we're at the point in the stage of life my kids where we don't do the kids bible anymore. we just read straight from the scripture so reading through the book of john i read a passage and i go what stuck out to you and as long as it's somewhere in the area of right i'm like okay cool you know like like i'm just trying to make sure they're paying attention you know what i'm saying if they say something off the blue i'm like no let me read again you wouldn't listen Uh, so we just read it and then we pray. And y'all know, I try to keep it simple. What do we pray? Every night, we go through the Ten Commandments, the Lord's Prayer, and the Apostles' Creed. And we pray those things. They have it memorized now. And then we sing a song. We sing, uh, um, what's it called? The Doctology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. And y'all, it's not like, it don't take that long. Five, ten minutes. But, but that little investment in their lives it is my hope that the same thing that happened to timothy is going to happen to my kids and it doesn't have to be oh if it's over complicated you won't do it but if i said what i want you to do at some point of day with your people is i want you to read some scripture i want you to say a prayer and sing a song that seems more doable doesn't it? that's all that's all, all right we can move on the scriptures the reason that's so important is because they give us the law of god Listen to what it says in Romans 7, 7. This is Paul speaking. He says, he says, I would not have known sin if it were not for the law. For example, I would have not known what it is to covet if the law had not said, do not covet. What he's saying is this. There's some stuff I was doing that I wouldn't know was wrong unless the scripture said to me that it was wrong. And you're like, how is that a gift? Beloved, it's a gift because it shows us the reality of where we stand before God. God is so kind that he doesn't just let us walk in confusion without shining the light of his word in our lives and if we are attentive and in and, and front of the word what his word does is it convicts it points to the areas that don't measure up to God's standards the scriptures let us know about our condemnation and you're like well, why is that why is that important or good because if you don't know about your condemnation then you won't inquire about your salvation So the scriptures let you know that you don't measure up, but the scriptures also give you the gospel of Christ Jesus. The fact that you're not saved by what you have done or haven't done, but that you're saved by grace. The fact that you can't earn your salvation, but that you have to place your faith in Jesus. The fact that that Jesus Christ came and lived and he died in your place and he rose again and he offers forgiveness to all who would call Him. I would not know that. You would not know that. If it were not for the Scriptures, they give us wisdom unto salvation. And he takes it even further. In verse 16, he says, all Scripture is inspired by God. I just want to say this. He didn't say some of it. He didn't say just the Gospels. He didn't say just the New Testament. He said all of it. All the Scripture is inspired by God. So let's let's, let's pause for a minute so let's think what exactly like how how, how should i understand what scripture is exactly now y'all know how i like to read old confessions it's because it summarizes really complex ideas that's why i like it there's a confession written in 1561 and it is trying to answer the question what is the word of god it says we confess that this word of god was not sent nor delivered by the will of man so it wasn't some man just had an idea but that holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, as Apostle Peter said, and that afterwards God, from a special care which he has for us in our salvation, commanded his servants, the prophets and the apostles, to commit his revealed word to writing. And he himself wrote this with his own finger. Therefore, we call such writings holy and divine scriptures. What he's saying is this is that though that, that men were obviously active in writing the word, people were, were writing, but it wasn't simply they weren't writing what they thought or what they felt, but that God was sovereignly intervening over all of their circumstances and their thoughts, all those things. They were, they were having their own thoughts, but God was sovereignly working in all that so that what you get on the page is what the Holy Spirit wanted on the page. That God was sovereignly working so that the scriptures are god's speech to us that that word inspired i want you to understand that apostle paul made up a word for, there wasn't a word for inspired if you understand what it literally means it means god breathe that's what it means god breathed. that 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 when when you are reading or listening to the scriptures it's as if god is so close to you that you can feel his breath That's what the scriptures is. And he communicates to humanity through those divine scriptures. If that's God's speech, we ought to cherish it. Now, I'm sure that there are notes or emails or texts or messages that you say because of who sent them. Yeah. And every once in a while, when you're feeling all sentimental, you'll go and look at it again. Not only that, when somebody, somebody, let's just keep it real, when you're interested romantically in somebody and they send you a text, you be analyzing it. Like what did they mean? They said that word, and you talking to your friends. I'm speaking from experience. All right. If we save and review and ponder what is communicated by those we love, should we not do the same with God's word? Should we not save it, hide it in our hearts, and remember and ponder it? Paul says it's not God. The scriptures is not just inspired. He said it's profitable. 16 and seven says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete equ- equipped for every good work. Now, I think there's a question that could, could rise up in your mind, and the question would be this. Sometimes Scripture is awfully complicated, isn't it? And Maybe the question could arise in your mind. Maybe it's, is it too complicated to be useful? Some people are arguing about it. Do we, how do we know what it's saying? I'm going to go back to a confession because it's concise. The confession is 6 to 89. It says, all things are, in Scripture are not alike plain and of themselves. I mean, every verse you read, you're not going to be like, oh, yeah. Like, you're "I like, oh, no. Okay? But he says, yet the things which are necessary to be known, believed, And observed for salvation are so clearly explained and open in some place of scripture or the other that not only the learned are the educated but the unlearned are the uneducated in due use of ordinary means that means like using your mind using your literary mind and due use of ordinary means may attain to sufficient understanding of them so you say listen i know some of the scriptures complicated some 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 things are clearer than others but what you need to know to get saved is clear. That's what he's saying. What you need to know to get saved and to walk with God is clear. Some stuff, you go, I don't know exactly what that means. Whether you learn or whether you're educated, you got a big brain, you got a small head, I don't know. Wherever you are on the spectrum of knowledge, it's sufficiently clear for you to know who God is and what he has done for you. And then, and then it goes down a couple paragraphs. It says, the infallible infallible means like unerring the the unerring rule of interpretation of scripture like how do we know what it says is scripture itself and therefore when there is a question about the true and full sense of any scripture it must be searched by other places that speak more clearly so if you're having a hard time understanding a passage or a chapter of scripture what this confession is saying is then read other parts of, of that are clearer What's unclear is not going to contradict what is, in other words. So he's saying, listen, listen, it's not too complicated to be a prophet to you. God is so gracious that he will communicate what is important to you. And if you do your homework and compare scripture with scripture, it's going to get more and more clear to you. Okay? So the the, the scriptures teach us, listen, here's something interesting. The, The Bible says in Romans 1 that you can look at creation and conclude that there is a higher power that's that is actually one of the, the great unities of the human race it don't matter where you go they believe in something spiritual some, some, they be, It might not be the same thing we believe but it's like it's intuitive you look in creation and you're like something else is going on something that i can't see is happening it's like like there are no naturally atheistic cultures no cultures like i'm an atheist like like that is imposed from the top right but it's not, just, it's not like a natural inclination. So everyone kind of knows there's something spiritual happening. But we don't know what kind of higher power there is without the scripture. We can ascertain that there is something powerful. But we don't know that he is loving apart from the text. We can look and say, there's something important in the world that I can't quite see. But we don't understand who he is and what he says and what he demands from us without the scriptures. The scriptures exist to correct us. I mean, you can just read the scriptures slow. And if you're humble, you don't feel some kind of, oh, man, I messed up now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the, the scriptures don't only correct us. They train us. It's God's tool to make you more like Jesus. You cannot consistently and humbly read the scriptures and stay the same. I said humbly (laughs) now. You cannot consistently and humbly read the scriptures and stay the same. It says that the scripture equips us, equips you to do what I I once define ministry as doing three things: that you're praying, speaking, and serving in the name of Jesus. Without scripture, you don't know what to pray. Without scripture, you don't know what to say. Without scripture, you don't know who and how to serve. It equips you so that you can do the things that God called you to do. So he's, he's making it real plain. Timothy, the scripture is important. And then he raises the stakes. He says, We will be judged based on our faithfulness to God's word. And chapter one, verse one, uh, chapter four, verse one, it says, I solemnly charge you. Before God and Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead, because of his appearing and his coming, preach the word. And other words saying, Timothy, what you're saying on a Sunday and in your day-to-day conversations with your congregation, you need to understand there's gonna come a day when you have to stand before Jesus and give an account of what you said. And if you didn't say what the text said, you're gonna be in trouble. If you didn't say what the Bible says, Jesus is going to have an issue with what you said. Pastors are going to be judged by their faithfulness to the scriptures. It cannot be about what you think or somebody else thinks or what on social media think. It can't be about none of that. It has to be what does the Bible say? Because I have to stand before God and they're not going to say, well, what did your congregation think about what you said? That's not that's not it. Did you say what I said, Will? Did you explain what I said? But not only pastors will be judged with the faithfulness of the scriptures, the church will be judged by their faithfulness to the scriptures as well. What do I mean? You have a responsibility about what you tolerate. If you're a part of a church that's not preaching the Bible, you have a responsibility about what you tolerate. You can't go, oh, no, this is not my job. no you're gonna stand for God about what you let in your ear I remember uh me and me and Becky used to go to this real small church I ain't gonna name name nothing we used to go to this real small church in college and and the pastor I mean he wasn't just old; he was elderly I love the brother he was elderly and he would get up and he would just kind of pontificate about I don't know what he would talk about I mean <laughs> just it would like, just go it would just go all kinds of ways and and, and, and me and Becca, I guess we were stupid and 20. Uh, we, we asked him, said, man, can, you, can we take you out to eat? A, I don't know. We didn't take him out. He was poor. Uh, can we meet at the coffee shop and you buy us coffee? And, and, and I remember as graciously and as kindly as we could, we said, brother, could you pre- please preach the Bible? I said, Y'all, on Sunday, this man started preaching through Ephesians. That's Sunday. And after the sermon, he he came over to me, he grinned, he said, I broke out my commentaries. I said, that's great. (laughs) But but listen, listen. If he knew that his congregation was hungry for the Bible, maybe he would have preached the Bible. We must preach God's word. This means explaining the Bible. That's, that's the best I can, I can say it. it. doesn't mean coming up with new stuff or a clever or interesting. Preaching God's word means explaining what the Bible says. And preaching God's word is always necessary. In two, it says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and teaching. What he's saying is, is there'll be times when people welcome God's word, like in season, that's like, oh, I, I want to hear what you would like to say. But then there's also going to be times when people don't want to hear God's word. And he says, whether they want to hear it or not, you're supposed to preach it. You must preach God's word. We must be about God's word. Because ultimately, whom do we fear? Remember the charge. You can fear what other people think about you. Or you can fear fear the Lord who's going to judge you at the end of the day. And what I love is, is, is we must carefully and patiently explain God's word. I want you to listen to it says preach the word and then he said encourage with great patience and teaching it's not like he said the same thing twice preach and teach what is he saying what is he saying He's saying listen not just proclaiming it but like like explain it make it plain parse it out make sure that whoever is 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 near you can truly understand what it's saying and then he says preach with great patience so so if you tell somebody something they don't understand it don't get frustrated try again <laughs> The reality of our spiritual growth is it's slow. Yeah? Is it not slow? There are some things that I learned that are like I learned before, but I learned better. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like I, I knew that, but I didn't know it like I know it. So if, you, if you're going to be a, someone who explains God's word, you, you carefully, patiently parse that thing out. You trust God to do work. In verse 3, we, we learn that we value Scripture because people will love false teaching. In verse 3, it says, for the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn aside from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. What he's saying is, listen, Timothy, look, look, you can't always uh, check the pulse of your church by how many people are there. You can't always do that to me. He says, many will gravitate towards teaching that just makes them feel good. It was interesting, it was entertaining, uh, it, it made me laugh a little bit, like it was, you know. But you need to be careful of teaching that tells people exactly what they want to hear. If you can leave a sermon, an explanation of the Bible, and feel zero conviction, you should be like, wait a minute now. <laughs> wait a minute did, did did somebody just tickle my ear <laughs> was that just did i just like to hear that because it made me feel good or was it god's word and it all it, it both comforted and challenged me he's saying listen listen you need to keep preaching the word and what's interesting is it says, where do the false teachers come from it says they will multiply teachers from themselves people are like i want to hear something good. you got something to say come over here and you're like Oh, he's saying something cool? That makes me happy. Listen, they are going to gravitate and long and hunger to hear stuff that they already want to hear. The only way that we can discern truth from myths is through the knowledge of God's word. That's what he's saying. Like people are going to come with all kinds of ideas that sound really cool, and you're going to like it, and it's going to make you feel good, and you leave, and you go to, you go to lunch at the church, and you're so happy, and you're like, we're okay, we're good. You know. Like you just, it's going to be awesome, but he says, listen, if you don't have God's word, you're not going to be able to discern. There are several teachings from God's word that could guard us against cultural myths today. There are some conversations that go on in the church that, that I'll use this word, that befuddle me, if you will, i'm like i feel like the scripture is pretty clear about that why are you confused for i'll give you some examples in genesis 1 god said that he made male and female and that it was good that's before that's before the fall that's before sin and listen we we're in a culture that wants to deny sexual difference we want to conflate it we we want to exchange it but God said, before sin and Satan did not anything in the world, I made male and female. And then I said it was good. Listen, listen, God valued Like, it is not an accident that you are the gender that you are. And let me be clear. One is not better than the other. But they're different and valuable and good how about this? Like God, God teaches that he's sovereign over your body, meaning that you can't just do what you want to do with your body. That's that is pretty basic New Testament teaching. It says in 1 Corinthians six, you are bought with the price. So glorify God with your body. Now, before we get into the debates about this, that and another, let's what, what if we have some basic understanding of the text, we won't be so easily deceived by myths how about this the bible teaches that that because of sin you have innate sinful desires meaning this you can't trust everything you want to do now before we get into what it just that's the baseline the baseline is this sometimes you want to do stuff and let's be honest it's quite often you want to do stuff that's bad and sometimes you fool yourself and you do something that's bad but you going to trick yourself into thinking it's good and then you come to god's word, you're like uh-oh all i'm saying is this if we will be grounded in the teaching of god's word the myths of the culture wouldn't confuse us so much he says to timothy no matter what we dedicate ourselves to the work of ministry listen what i, what I love in verse five it says he talks to timothy says but ask for you exercise self-control and everything why does he have to exercise self-control because he's going to be saying stuff that people don't like and they're going to wild out on him and Paul said, chill out. <laughs> chill out. Timothy, I know, I know they said you was crazy. Chill out. Be like, as for you, exercise self-control and everything. Endure hardship. Why would he have to endure hardship? Because he is saying things that people don't want to hear. Endure hardship. <clears throat> Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. He's saying we must patiently Endure. If our commitment to God's word causes hardship, I'm going to just keep it 100, y'all. I don't want to get canceled. But sometimes I read the Bible and I'm like, if I say that, I'm going to get canceled. (laughs) And I'm like, do I need to endure or do I need to be a punk?" And are you going to hold me accountable? We must patiently endure if our commitment to God's word causes hardship. And and I think we need to look to our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world to get encouragement here. Uh, We might be afraid to get canceled or ostracized, but there's people around the world that go to their death because of this word that we believe. There's people, there's Christians in China right now meeting in secrecy. Right now. Today. Because of their commitment to God's word. There are, there are folks hiding in the Middle East and North Africa, folks wanting to cling to God's word, but if they know that it gets out, that they believe in God's word, that they will be killed, yet they're clinging to it. So I think if they can endure at the threat of death, then we can endure at the threat of cancellation, yes? We must faithfully proclaim God's word. And, and, and y'all, the, the culmination of, of God's word, what it all points to, is the gospel of jesus christ we talked about this that god's word does two things primarily the first thing it does is it convicts it tells you about your sin about your rebellion against god but it doesn't stop there yeah it then tells you about god's provision for the mistakes that you make that God loved you so much that he sent Jesus into this world to live among this broken, messed up world and not sin, only do what was right. And then at the end of his life, end up on a cross because he is taking the punishment for our sin. And then the scripture says that he rose from the dead and he's not salty about having to die for you. He says, you come to me. Come to me. I will forgive you. I'll cleanse you. I know you're wrong. I'm the one told you but I've done something in order for you to be made right. Beloved, this is what the word of God says. Maybe you're here. You haven't come to him. Listen, come to him. And nobody else going to accept you like him, forgive you like him, endure with you like him. So in other words, we, we got to be a church that's about the word of God. So what does that mean? That means that, that in our church, we're dedicated to the public reading of scripture. What I've noticed is that a lot of, a lot of churches say they're about God's word, but they don't actually read it together. And that, so, so, like, why, do, why don't we say that psalm in the beginning? Because I'm like, I'm just thinking of what, how can I insert scripture in every nook and cranny of the service? If we say we're about it, let's be about it and say it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like why, do, why did I, I, I separated the reading of scripture from the sermon because I'm like, I wanted it, it to have its own importance, that when God's word is read, it's important in of itself. Before there's an explanation, when God's word is speaking, that is his infallible word. Y'all, you can trust the scripture reader more than you can trust the sermon. I I, I want it to be uh, something that we hold high and cherish. At This church means that that we're, we're committed to something called expository preaching. What that means is this, that the purpose of the sermon is to explain the text. That's all it means. So, so when when I get up and when a scripture is read, the purpose is not to give you my ideas of what I think is cool. The purpose is to go, we've read this scripture. Now let me tell you what it means. That's why it is the way it is, because because we want to be about God's word, and God's word doesn't mean what I want to talk about that day. It means what does the Bible say? How can I explain it carefully and patiently so that when you walk away, it was not muddy. But it was like, I, I, I think, uh, look, like if, if you leave church and go, I understand that text better, that scripture makes more sense to me Then I've done my job. That's the goal, not to, not to tickle your ear, but to tell you what it says. And even in how we disciple one another, we are committed to, the, to interpersonal discipleship centered around the scriptures. If you meet one of our growth groups, what are we going to do? we're gonna eat because we like we like to eat you know what i'm saying we're gonna pray but what's what's that thick thing in the middle we're gonna read the bible why because we about the book y'all and we believe it has power that's what it means for the church what does it mean for you it means that you need to schedule time in god's word you need to schedule it's not gonna happen by accident you're not gonna trip and fall into the bible at least not to read it. I mean, like, like, like you know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, I just accidentally read the Bible. Most likely not. You're just going to have to set some time aside, all right? I don't know. Maybe you're a morning person. Do it then. I don't know what it is, but you set it aside. And then you need a plan. You're not going to accidentally read large chunks of the Bible. And look, you do got to be invented. You can Google Bible reading plan. Man, there's going to be so much that comes up. Matter of fact, if you go on our website, there's a tab that says Bible reading. And there's an app. That gives you two, two chapters to read a day. I'm just trying to make it as simple as possible, y'all. Listen, I'm just saying, if you don't make a plan and if you don't set a time, you're not going to do it. But if God's word really is his, his, his inspired speech to us, then we will make time. And, beloved, that means that we, we meditate on God's word. Listen, I, I remember when I was, we used to work, when I was working at the bank and you know there's a lot of stuff happening but i this is maybe this is old school but i would just if i wanted a verse to think about and memorize i'd get something called a sticky note you know what i did and i just write it on the sticky note and i put it on my computer (laughs) and every in between customers i'm like okay that's what it says i want to hide it in my heart i don't know how you 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 can figure it out y'all got brains but listen listen put it in front of you (laughs) meditate on it meditation also includes prayerful consideration Beloved, when I was writing this sermon, I had to prayerfully consider, am I doing what the thing is saying? (laughs) Like if you if you would read a chapter of the scripture and then go back and then talk to God about what it says. That's meditation. Listen, we value God's word here and we're going to shape everything we do around it. It is going to be the source of what we teach and how we make decisions of how we disciple because God's speech is of infinite value. So we will honor it, honor it with everything that we have because we believe the church must be built on and sustained by the word of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, let us never forget how much of a gift that it is to us. Even the fact that we could have it in our home, our own, our phone, that we have ready access to it, um, that that has not been common throughout history, and it's not common throughout the world today. So let us not squander this gift by not looking and reading at the word. But Lord, I pray that your word would be um, like life to us, that we will meditate on a day and night so that we could bear fruit for your glory and for the
0: expansion of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.